Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Critics Association's Hawkeye After Show. Each week on this show, we will discuss the latest episode of the Disney Plus series based on everyone's favorite MCU Archer. I'm Jamie Philbrick, entertainment journalist and critic for We Live Entertainment and Movie Phone, and a member of the Hollywood Critics Association. We have a great show for you tonight. We will be having a spoiled-filled discussion of the first two episodes of the new series, which dropped tonight, currently titled Hawkeye Pilot Part 1 and Part 2. But first, allow me to introduce my fabulous co-host, Mark Passis and Kira Lynn. Hey, guys. Hey. How's it going? It's going good. Are you guys excited to talk about Hawkeye? Are you guys big fans of uh, Renner and the character from the MCU? Oh, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I have, I'll admit that he was probably not the, my number one favorite character. But from what I've seen so far, that could be a turnaround. This definitely well, could be a turnaround. Uh, full disclosure, I am a huge Hawkeye fan. I've got my classic Hawkeye uh, Marvel comic statue here. I've got a little uh, Hawkeye guy here flying on a flying on an Avengers thing there. And uh, yeah, as uh, Mark knows, I'm a huge fan of uh, the Green Arrow from DC Comics. And for whatever reason, archers are always my favorite superhero. So I've loved Hawkeye since I was a kid. Big Jeremy Renner fan and uh, excited for this series. How about you, Mark? Oh, yeah. If I knew you were going to show off your stuff, I would have taken my cockeye statue as well and brought it with me, but I don't have it with me. So There's always gonna, next week, buddy. There's, there's always, always next week. week. Yeah, so <laughs> I will be showing it off next week because I also have a cockeye statue, and I'm also a good big cockeye fan man. Yeah. because of the influence for the show, which is the Mad Fraction comics, and can't wait to get into it. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Let's dive right in. Uh, we'll start with a little bit of a recap of the episode. So the episode begins by introducing us to Kate Bishop, um, who hears her uh, as a young girl, as a young girl in a flashback uh, before the opening credits. And she hears her parents fighting and she starts to worry that they may separate. Uh, meanwhile, it is revealed that they are located in downtown New York while the Battle of New York from Avengers is taking place. Uh, Kate's, uh, when their apartment is hit with an explosion from the battle outside, Kate's father is killed and she is saved by Hawkeye. Uh, after reuniting with her mother, Kate vows to learn archery and how to fight to be like her hero Hawkeye and be able to protect her mother in the future. So let's just start with that. Um, this opening sequence taking us back to the original Avengers movie. Uh, Kira, what did you think of um, that as sort of a as sort of a starting point for this series? You know, out of the three of us, you th you two are probably the bigger Marvel fans, but. I was very proud that I recognized that what, what part of the timeline we were in. And, you know, when the one, the one question that I had when, you know, the attack happened, we don't see her mom, we don't see her dad until, we don't see her mother until the very end when, you know, she picks up Kate um, and, and takes her out, but we never see her father. So it's like, hmm, if I don't see a body and I actually don't see a death, did her father die? That's my question leaving that. Yeah, so I'm assuming that what we were given, the knowledge we're given in that scene is that he dies. But I yeah. agree with you. 
Mm-hmm. In, like in any TV or movie, if you don't see the body, that doesn't mean anything. Exactly. And so, and also, Brian D'Arcy is a pretty well-known, big-time character actor, Broadway actor, and you don't bring him into a series just to do one scene in the first episode. So I, I agree with you, Kira. If you're starting to think uh, that maybe Kate's father is alive and mysteriously somewhere else, uh, I don't just disagree with that theory. And I also don't think we should trust Vera Farmiga, who plays her mom. That, mm-hmm. you know, that, that character is not one to be trusted either. And, and Vera usually plays uh, a somewhat shady character. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot that uh, we've yet to learn about that and, and, and that the series will explore. What I did really appreciate was the setup and the background as to yeah. why, you know, when we, when we jump the timeline and we're in present day, why she is such a Hawkeye fan and why he is her favorite Avenger. I really appreciated that. And I think the way that they they put those two things together, they did it really well. Yeah, it totally makes sense now, right? Like, it totally Mm -hmm. makes sense why Kate would be such a fan girl for um, uh, Hawkeye and and that this connection would happen. Um, I think Kevin Feige has even said that sort of the challenge was taking the inspiration from the Matt Fraction work and then applying it to the character that they've already, you know, have established and have created in the MCU over however many films uh, Jeremy Renner's done. I think Avengers Endgame marked six, and then this show would be a seven if we count that as, as one uh, film. But uh, I could be, my math could be off about that. Mark, what were your thoughts on this uh, opening scene and sort of how it um, kind of gets the ball rolling for the whole show? I have to agree with you guys, but I also have to say that when you get blown up, you kind of sort of get tend to get vaporized. So, of course, if there was an explosion, there wouldn't be a body to begin with. But I do have to agree with you that there may be something secretive behind the disappearance of her father. But I do love how they connect the uh, origin story of Kate Bishop to Hawkeye because the way that she saw Hawkeye just save, you know, her and doing whatever he can to save New York City at the time, that's, you know, pretty inspirational for anybody, really. So the way that they set that up for her future, I think was pretty ingenious to me. You know, I just want to jump on... uh, a little bit on something that with but going back to the, the dad you know you notice that when the parents are arguing in the beginning and they realize that Kate is over you know she's uh, eavesdropping you know Eleanor sends the dad up you know and you can see that connection between father daughter and as and I'm jumping a little bit but as obviously when she gets older you jump forward to the timeline you can see there's a bit of a distance between mother daughter and that connection yes isn't really there. So I'm really interested to see how they thread that line through the six episodes to see whether or not, you know, we do end up seeing her dad eventually. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, And actually, let's just jump right to that uh, because uh, the next scene we see uh, actually takes place at boarding school. So we're now in the present day timeline. Uh, Kate's off at boarding school and is on the archery team and is dared by her teammates to shoot an arrow at the clock bell to make it ring. While Kate hits her mark, she underestimates the structure. The bell crumbles from the arrow, and Kate is expelled after she is caught. So um, 
What did we think of this scene? I actually thought this was really cool. Uh, you know, because it all—it not only sets up like, okay, Kate's a rebel. Kate has these skills, right? So, like, we don't have to spend time in this series watching her learn and watching her train. Like, she's fairly up to speed, at least with the uh, elementary, you know, martial arts and 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 uh, archery. And so, I thought this was a really cool scene and sort of sets up. Uh, exactly what you're talking about, Kira, because, of course, next she's going to have to go home and face her mom. So, uh, Mark, well, let me start with you. What were your thoughts on sort of this scene and the way it illustrates uh, her her archery skills? How fragile does that um, <laughs> for just one, like, little arrow to spin around and break and just bring down the entire building? I mean... I get that the floor would crumble underneath the weight of the bell, but the entire tower just went down. I don't know. Do their tuition pay for building renovations? Because I feel like, you know, with that boarding school, they really should put their tuition towards renovating that building. But that being said, I do love um, the way that they also set up her um, eye for archery, her aim. Because that's what Hawkeye is. Like, he's very good at, you know, hitting his targets, no matter, you know, where they are, how far they are. You know, she hit her target. She just hit it really well. Brought down an entire clock, uh, bell tower. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> I, well, you know, it was interesting. I also thought it was like a trick. It was like her first trick arrow, right? Because she actually yeah. puts a tennis ball on the end. And I agree with you. It actually hits... The, the sort of the dangling part of the bell to make it ring, that's a weak bell, I mean, to just start crumbling like that the yep. first time. I got to imagine that it rings at least once a day. So I, I, I agree with you a little bit on, on that, Mark. But Kira, yeah, what are your thoughts? You guys, I have to say, you know, I'm a bit, I am, I am a big Haley fan. And to see what, what this is setting up is it, it's, it's showing how strong she is. So it's not maybe necessarily that the bell was weak. It was, you know, that second shot that she was able, she was like, mm, okay, I didn't do it the first time. I'm let me, let me pull out a trick arrow and, and try it a second time. And, you know, I think that's just kind of establishing, you know, what, as you were saying, Mark, that, you know, she, she's an excellent shot. I think also even in the, the very first uh, scene, they, you know, they're showing off her, you know, her, uh, is it her Taekwondo medals or and her fencing medals and whatnot. So they've really, right. And this is just a, a really good way to establish that she is a badass. I love that. I love that about Kate Bishop. I, I love it. And, and, and I love that it's like pre-established in the first episode. Like she doesn't need to get her superpowers. She doesn't need to train. We don't need like a crazy montage episode. Like we're kind of ready. She's, she's sort of ready to meet Hawkeye in a sense, right? Like when mm -hmm. this series begins, she's kind of like ready you know, whether she knows it or not to be the Kate Bishop that we know. Is that kind of what you thought, Mark? Yes. Oh, yeah. Because that's how uh, Clint Barton was able to, you know, know who Kate Bishop is in the first place is because of her, you know, archery prowess. And so right, right. what better way to showcase that than by bringing down an entire, you know, bell tower. 
But you guys, right. I do have to say, I do, I think that we have to make a correction because I don't believe that Kate is at boarding school. I believe that she is. Is it college? She's in college because later on in the episode, they, he asks her how old she is and she, she, right. she says that she's 22. And so um, oh. that, make, that makes me believe that she's either, she's probably a senior and she's probably on her way out. So yeah, college, college boarding school, I meant she's off at school. But yeah, 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 I agree. It all is encompassing, all the same thing. So um, next up, we actually see um, Kate returns home uh, to see her mom after her uh, expulsion, only discover she is engaged, uh, that her mother is engaged to Jack Docaine. Uh, the couple invite Kate to a benefit they are attending, and Kate ends up following Jack to an illegal auction where he is bidding on Ronin's sword and costume. So this is where the episode, I think, for me, starts to kind of really move forward um, after sort of the setup of the characters. And uh, obviously, Mark and I know uh, Jack Docaine has a uh, alter ego in the comic books, the swordsman. So uh, I don't trust them to begin with. And, uh, and then, of course, um, Kira, everything you were sort of talking about kind of comes through in this scene, that sort of distance between mother and daughter. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And I do have to say about Jack, the moment that he comes into the screen, a guy with that much hair, like that sort of quaff and that big of a mustache, I'm like... <laughs> This dude is not a good guy. Like, right. he just, you know, you, he doesn't, he does not have that air of, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the white knight. He, you know, I, I automatically knew that this guy was up to no good. Um, but I love how Eleanor, when reprimanding, uh, when reprimanding Kate, you know, she's, she basically tells her, you know, uh, she, about, she goes over how she she's got she's gotten in trouble for taking down the the clock tower or the bell tower, and that she is you know a a privileged girl with uh and she talks something about like she talks about her growing up with money and how you know how that essentially sets up her attitude that she 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 needs to be a little bit more um, humble and appreciative, and that I mean it. In my heart of hearts, I know that that was not like where Kate is coming from, but hearing that sort of, you know, uh, uh, interaction between mother and daughter, it was like, ooh, that, you know, that hurts. So, you know, I, I like how they're, they're setting, they're setting up that distance specifically in that scene. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, what did you think about that scene? And also really getting to the auction part, um, what's going on? You know, this is comes the bad guy auction and all of a sudden they're auctioning off the Ronin sword and costume. Uh, and, and then, of course, Kate putting on the Ronin costume for the first time. What did you think of all that? Um, I really liked it because it also establishes that she is able to sneak around just like her idol, Hawkeye, as well, because, you know, who else but Kate can just, like, go around and act like, you know, a waiter and, you know, somehow find her way to a bad guy auction where they're selling off weapons of mass destruction or, you know, there's Ronin's sword and then there's Ronin's uh, costume. So I think that, you know... Just within those first couple of scenes, they're able to establish a lot about 
who Kate is and to what Kira was saying about her relationship with her mother and then, you know, with her sneaking around, having her suspicions about, you know, her mother and Jack, you know, sneaking around to investigate further. I mean, that alone in a nutshell is, and just those couple of scenes is Kate Bishop, you know, pretty much in a nutshell. And so, you know, I love how they established all this even before we even get to, you know, where Clint Barton is at this point in time. Yeah, Which absolutely. we'll get to. Yeah, we'll get to it. I mean, I, I really like that this scene sets up Kate as someone who really takes destiny in her own hands, right? Like she's not waiting for Hawkeye to come through. And I mean, there's no one coming to help them, right? And she like right away picks up the costume, puts it on and just starts her, you know, her badassery. And uh, I, I, I thought it was a great setup for the character and also, um, you know, kind of moving the story forward as we'll see in a second with the Ronin costume. Because I want to do, I do want to take it back a little bit in and talk about the auction itself please you know, and, the, and it, it i that whole bit between jack and armand the third you know and they start doing the whole bidding war right there i believe is a really good chunk of information and i actually ended up having to watch it a, a few times just to make sure that i heard it correctly you know the younger you know younger jack you know starts bidding against armand and they start a bidding war you know and armand is basically saying how can you how can you place this three hundred and fifty thousand dollar bet? You don't have that money, you know. And the elder guy, you know, Armand the third wins. I, I think it was like four hundred and seventy five thousand dollars, you know. It and then watching how that that scene progressed, where you know, uh, the the tracksuit mafia comes in. I'm assuming that was the tracksuit mafia comes in. It was okay. It was. And then you know, uh, Jack steals the sword. You know, so it's just kind of like, oh, I, I, that's a, a really good piece of information that I was like, oh, that's definitely going to come down down the pipe as well. Yeah, well, I mean, also, we know that um, Kate believes that Armand uh, was threatening her mother. Yes. Uh, whether that is really what was happening or not, we don't quite know yet. The mom denies that that's what was happening. Uh, but that's really what led Kate down to the auction. So we know that there was something going on between Armand and Jack. I mean, any guesses on who killed Armand? Uh, we're skipping ahead, but I mean, I, Jack, I think, is the I'll first it's Jack. suspect. It's right? Jack. Yeah, 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 of course. So, it's and a, the fact that he's a sword and, I, and Mark, were you like me? Like when he steals the sword, you're like, oh. Oh, the swordsman oh, yeah. yeah 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 exactly exactly um but yeah and I, comics, I, he becomes swordsman can we I, I want to talk about the dog guys i really well we're gonna get there kira we're gonna get there if you'll let me do my job here um so the auction is uh so kate as ronin is then uh, caught on video saving a dog from being hit by a car which turns out of course those fans of Matt Fraction's comics knows that that is Lucky the Pizza Dog. Uh, and so let's just talk about Lucky, Kira. There you go. You asked for it, you got it. What do you think? <laughs> for someone who did not read the comics, the moment that he was outside, like when, she, when Kate comes out and sees him, you know, in front, I'm, I, was, I literally paused it. I was like, oh, there's a dog. I love that. I'm beginning to really fall in love with the show. And he's a big fan favorite from the comics. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, Oh my gosh. And then to see, you know, when Kate jumps out of the cellar and, you know, uh, comes up, comes upon the, um, the truck and 
sees that Lucky is is attacking this guy. You know, I want to know, you guys. There, there was was it a key to the to the um, Avengers compound that the guy was like, oh, I found it. And I, I actually ended up having to rewind it because I was thinking, did Lucky take it out of his hand? Did you know, or did was that key left in in that guy's um, palm on the floor? Did you guys catch that? I believe that? he stole it out of a bag. So Lucky, right? Lucky, okay, because I I I couldn't see whether or not uh, Lucky <clears throat> actually grabbed it and took off with it. So. He grabbed it out of the bag and then just ran away with it. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that Lucky's going to hold a special place in my heart throughout the season. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, me, uh, everybody. Yeah, Mark, what did you think about seeing Lucky? Oh, man. That was, I never thought in a million years I would be able to see Lucky the Pizza Dog on screen. But after seeing so many, you know, pets and animals to show up in the MCU, I knew eventually because of the Hawkeye show that they were have to introduce like a pizza dog because I think even Kevin Feige said it himself. You can't have Clint Barton and Kate Bishop without right. Lucky the Pizza Dog. There's just no way. Like he's a fan's favorite. Everybody loves him. He's a golden retriever. Everybody loves golden retrievers. They're so loyal, adorable, and man, yeah, it's just it's a dream come true. Because I I Lucky is one of my favorite, um, I mean, with the uh, DC Super Pets coming out, you know, trailer right. coming out earlier, you know, he's one of my favorite comic book pets of um, pretty much of all time, so, Comic yeah. book pets, I, I, I never knew that was a term, but I think you're right, I think comic book I'm pets, making it I a like term. I'm I like it, I like it, I like it. But just to finish uh, sort of what happens here, we already talked about it a little bit, but uh, Kate will end up, um, uh, she goes to Jack's uh, uncle's house, to Armand's house, because as we mentioned earlier, uh, she saw Armand threatening, uh, she thought, her mother at the benefit. Uh, Kate does unfortunately find Armand dead when she arrives, and Ronin is then framed for the crime. So uh, again, we I know we all kind of think that this is Jack, but how long Kira do you think that this will go into the next few episodes sort of the mystery of who killed Armand and the idea that it was Ronan uh, you know and I don't want to jump into to episode two but you know I want to say that they they start stringing you along pretty quickly especially when they established the whole was it like a, a mint or a caramel from the, the candy bowl that she she pulls right. out and it was like oh yep. you know and, and she makes that sort of connection in episode two um I'm not exactly sure. You, you know, I I hope that the it, it's solved relatively quickly, and I want to know exactly where Armand the Third really take has, takes a play with Eleanor and that whole sort of scenario. Um, it'll be, I think, it'll be really interesting. Yeah, I definitely think something's going to hit there with Jack and Armand and the truth about what happened there and Kate. Uh, it's it's going to come uh, maybe not in the next episode, but hopefully in the in these first four, I would think, so that we can kind of set up uh, the final two episodes. Um, Mark, what are your thoughts on Armand's death and the and and the blaming of it on on Ronan? So, going back to what Kira was saying earlier. I mean, 
when you guys think that she went there to, you know, investigate Armand because he threatened her mother, right? So even though we get that sense of disconnect between the two, you know, her mother doesn't think that, you know, she res- um, Kate respects her, but she definitely loves the hell of it, hell out of her because she wouldn't be doing any of this if she, you know, didn't he- overhear that conversation between Armand and her mother. And that, um, and I do think that it kind of sounded like he was threatening her in a way to where, you know, don't marry Jack, you know, you're not going to be a part of this family. Don't you dare like, you know, think that you'll be a part of this family kind of thing. So, you know, I, you know, think that because of that relation, strenuous relationship, you know, deep down, you know, there's still that kind of love that she has for her mother, despite, you know, any sort of drama that they had between the two. And do I, you know, think that later on, like, that will play into, you know, the murder of Armand? Sure, but we all know it's not going to be Ronan that's the killer, you know. We know it's it's basically Jack, but who knows? Maybe maybe it is, you know, um, one of the guys from the tracksuit mafia that did it, or... You know, well, I, I, I definitely, else. I definitely agree that while Armand was threatening, I didn't take it that he was threatening Kate's mom. So I, I agree with you that there might have been sort of a misunderstanding of what was going down there. And obviously, we know Jack's the real bad guy, but hopefully, yeah. we'll find that out for, yeah. for tr- truth or not in the future. Uh, but you know, we spent a lot of time talking about Kate. Let's jump ahead to uh, the whole reason we're watching this series and uh, Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner. And uh, actually, Hawkeye is in New York with his children, and they are watching the new Rogers musical. They are there (laughs) for the holidays, Christmas week, uh, about a week before Christmas. And uh, it is also revealed in this sequence that that, that Clint is suffering from hearing loss. Uh, and I thought they did a really good job of using some MCU footage and sort of flashing back to every explosion that Clint was near and every, and, and you know, reminds us he's not Thor, he's not Bruce Banner, he's not indestructible. Um, and it makes him human, which I think is, you know, kind of in a lot of ways, Mark, why you and I fell in love with the character in the comic books. Mm-hmm. You know, he's fighting side by side with brilliant scientists and gods and yet he's just the guy with a bow and arrow i mean i think renner even says it in one of the movies he's like this is ridiculous i'm a guy with age a of ultron right right age of ultron right he's just like i'm a guy with a bow and arrow none of this makes sense yeah uh, so uh I, I i love that reveal uh kira let me ask you about the rogers musical and about the reveal of the hearing loss and how do you feel about both of those? Oh my God, I loved the Rogers musical. I was actually watching a interview that Jeremy gave on one of the late night shows and he actually talked about that being the very last scene that yes. they actually filmed from that episode. And you know, it see, like, and he actually revealed that they actually um, recorded more than one song. So I'm thinking, oh, is this something that, you know, uh, that they might actually pursue down the line. I could, I could see it. The fans could, you know, the fans I believe would really want it. But for Clint, you know, when he sees Natasha, 
he starts going, he, yeah. he you know, going back and, you know, I really, you know, I really love Black Widow and, and seeing her, her die in, um, you know, in, in Infinity War was, was difficult. And so to see him turn his hearing aid off and start to, to have his mind sort of wander, you know, I felt that, you know, and I, you can still see that's the, I think the first time they really uh, established that he is still suffering from the trauma of the loss of his best friend. And I think they did that in a really beautiful and wonderful way. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they really, you can really feel everything he's going through. And and even though that some time has passed since Endgame, I, it's still very raw to him. Absolutely. Mark, are you a fan of the Rogers musical? What did you think? Yeah, give me more. <laughs> if you say that there's more songs, be like Harry Potter and what is it? The Cursed Child and put it on Broadway. I'll, I'll fly to New York and watch it. I will pay those ridiculously high prices in order to watch it. Um, but yeah, I mean, what Kira was saying, like, you know, um, it was a very poignant moment, but I don't know, for some reason, the thing that stuck out to me the most was the beginning of when he starts out watching the play and just seeing himself and he just somehow gets like has such a disgusted like look like oh like what am I watching like I don't need <laughs> to, like be watching this like this is not how any of this happened why is this you know even a musical in the first place and you know it's that's that makes sense because you know like he even says like I don't need to watch this I lived it I don't mean this is not what happened you know, in um, in the events of the Avengers. So, I mean, going from that transition to that poignant moment when he sees Natasha, like, on stage and turns it off, I mean, that was, you know, it went from funny, it went from zero to sad and, yeah. you know, like that. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it was, it was, it was rough. Yeah. I have to say, I actually was not a fan of the Rogers musical as much as you two. Um, I thought it was stupid and I found it cheesy as a musical itself, as a moment in the show, you know what I mean? Like that made a lot of sense and, and seeing his reaction to it was great. But I don't need to see a Rogers musical on Broadway. I'm not going to Why that. Not? Like that. No, 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 no. And I'll tell you another thing, though, interesting, Kira, is that when you mentioned that that uh, uh, Renner actually said that they are they shot another scene, another musical mm-hmm. number, makes me wonder because they, as far as I could tell, left the show early. I wonder if maybe in at the end of episode six, after everything that the series will have, and Kate and Jeremy, you know, Kate, Jeremy, Kate and Clint going through that together, maybe they go to the musical together and see a different scene. I don't know. Bonding uh, moment. It'd be interesting. Yeah, bonding moment, exactly, exactly. I want to point out, though, that <clears throat> what I really enjoy of the series so far is those very small parts of humor. Like, it's not funny in your face, like that whole scenario where Clint is trying to use the bathroom and he has oh. the, the fan sort of, you know, uh, experience. And yes. I think... 
you know, and, and how you, they're establishing something for a bigger picture, I, I feel. Uh, and it, you start, you see it more in, in episode two when he has this sort of conversation about branding with Kate, but like, this is where they're establishing, you know, how he feels about his public image or, you know, he, he necessarily, he doesn't, he does not like being in the spotlight. And this is, you can see how uncomfortable these scenarios make him. You, as Mark said, in him watching himself, himself on the stage, you could see that he was uncomfortable and, and maybe a little bit of self-loathing. Maybe I'm projecting, I'm not sure, but. He cringed, he definitely yeah, I, cringed. I agree, I agree, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, with everything you just said, absolutely. Um, well, moving on uh, a little bit more in this episode that we wanna cover uh, before we're done. So uh, Kate, uh, so we actually, we mentioned that uh, the next moment, uh, Clint discovers that someone is running around New York in his old Ronin costume, which of course we know is Kate, uh, eventually tracking Kate down to retrieve the suit uh, to also protect her from the tracksuit mafia who are coming after Ronin for revenge for his actions, which all we all know were actually Clint Barton's actions during the time of the blip. So, uh, Mark, let's jump to you. Uh, what are your thoughts about sort of um, all these groups, all these bad guys coming after whoever this Ronin is running around and, uh, and, and Clinton and, and Kate's first meeting? I'm gonna do kind of sort of a Russian impression because I feel like that's in my mind as I'm reading the comics, that's how they speak. But bro, that was very cool, you know, trying <laughs> for them to attack Kate and Hawkeye, bro. Like that was very cool, bro. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I'm sorry about that. That's, but I mean, that's just, you know, they just somehow just seem to appear, you know, whenever, you know, in the most inopportune moments. Like, you think you have peace, and then all of a sudden you hear that knock, and then you're like, bro, you know, open the door, bro. We're here to, you know, mess you up, bro. Like, don't try to mess, you know, don't try to mess with us, bro. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a funny and very action-packed moment, and the way that you know both Hawk, um, Kate, and Clint, you know, work together to um, defend themselves from the tracksuit mafia is, you know, it shows you the kind of teamwork that they're capable of. Should they, you know, Clint take her as a um, not really psychic, but you know, a you know, like a Under student. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kira, what were your thoughts on uh, their meeting, on, on Clinton Kate's first meeting? Well, that whole fight scene that Kate endures in the street, and it's like six of them, you know, she's, you know, Haley Steinfeld, Steinfeld and I are about the same. We're about 5'8", and here she is taking on, like, the huge guys and she's taking a beat like she's taking a beating like they obviously don't know that she's a woman not that it would really matter but she is you know going blow for blow and i love how that is a, it's further establishing what a badass she is and then you know her her locking herself in the car and hoping that she's you know has a little bit of a, a, a solitude and and a, a break from what's going on and then clint shows up 
and we all know that it's Clint. We don't necessarily know, you know, we don't necessarily have to see him. And I loved, I loved that scene. And I really love when the re the reveal happens when, you know, he, he asks who she is and, uh, and she, she removes her mask and they realize, he realizes that, oh my gosh, this is, this is a girl. I loved all, I loved all right. of that. Yeah. Not just yeah. a girl, a kid. Yeah, kid. Right, too. Yeah, yeah. Kid. Someone so young. Yeah, exactly. I think it really does throw Clint for a second. Because also remember, Clint's got a daughter, too. Uh, and, and, and you know, I mean, maybe, what, eight years younger than Kate or something like that. But I, I'm sure he... I can't imagine that he wouldn't sort of put whatever feelings he has towards his own daughter, kind of supplement them with Kate uh, when he meets her, you know, want to protect her and help her out. So the episode, the first episode ends with the tracksuit mafia locating Kate and Clint, attacking and destroying Kate's apartment. And the two heroes flee, uh, leaving Ronan's costume behind. Uh, so before we talk about that, let's just jump into the second episode because it really just picks up right from from that moment where we left off in the first. Uh, so picking up where the first episode leaves off, Clinton and Kate regroup. Then they go their separate ways and Clint goes back to her, or Clint goes back to her apartment to retrieve the Ronin costume only to find that it has been stolen by a firefighter who follow, uh, who, and, and Clint follows him to a LARPing event and now, in order to get his costume back from the firefighter, must duel with him. And part of the deal is he has to take a dive. He's got to lose on purpose so that the guy will give him the costume back. <laughs> and, of course, everyone there knows uh, that that is um, that that's Hawkeye. You know, he can't kind of keep that a secret, which is a funny thing because you think about some of the other superheroes, Spider-Man, you know, they have the mask, they protect them, they don't, we don't, you know, everyone doesn't know their secret identity, but everyone knows who Clint Barton is, he saved the world from Thanos. So, um, Mark, let me start with you because I know you love this whole LARPing thing. Talk a little bit about that and, and, and just like, you know, seeing Hawkeye in a sort of medieval, uh, you know, medieval knights kind of event like that you know there's a reason why a lot of fish out of water movies are funny thor you know you know taking the cup and it was like another and then throwing it on the ground that's funny seeing clint barton being way out of his element in a larping event which is a very <laughs> very nerdy very nerdy, and I'm one, and I love that. I love all LARPing events. Um, I've never participated in a public one. I've done, you know, some stuff in like theater class, but it's very, um, it's a very nerdy like practice. Like, get dressed up in all medieval costumes, and you have to pretend that, you know, if you get hit, your arm is like, you know, cut off or something like that. And seeing Clint Barton just go to that event and just be like, all right, man, just, all right, I have to do this. All right, fine. And just like literally thrash everybody because he's probably the only one there who is, you know, knows how to fight. Everybody else right. pretend, pretend fights. Right. They think they know how to fight, but then when you go up against a, someone who actually knows how to fight, they don't know how to fight. It's like going up against Mike Tyson, man. If you try to <laughs> box against him, you're just going to get, knocked out so just 
just don't do it. Yeah, I actually didn't really know what it was. Mark had to kind of like cue me in on it. And then I was like, oh, are those the dudes with the swords I see at the park on weekends when I take yep. my dog for a walk? And, and I always wonder, like, what are those people doing with swords? And now I finally know. Uh, this was a really cute scene, didn't you think, Kira? Oh, I absolutely loved it. And I was laughing because I, they, they, you're saying that you didn't know what it was. I actually had to look it up. And then I'm so glad that it, they said it's Larpers is live action role right, players. Right. And yep. I was like, ooh, I, I, I loved every bit of this scene. And it goes <laughs> back to what I was saying early, or earlier about, you know, and actually even Kate says it earlier in the episode where, you know, when the kid uh, – it's like, oh, look, it's a superhero. And he, they think that they, they're talking about Clint and they turn around and it's like a bunch of, you know, guys dressed up in Avengers costumes and they whole, have that whole conversation of branding and how, you know, how the whole thing is about inspiration. Like, it's not about, like, that's, that's what he can, that's what Kate tells him that he can give to the public and to the world. And this, again, with what happens with him and Grills is, him what he can inspire and give to the give to the public because you we all know that clint probably wouldn't have agreed to do that unless if he didn't actually have that establishing conversation with kate earlier in the episode and he was just like fine and you could see how much that meant to not only the people that were there to watch grills you know take down an avenger but how much it actually meant to, to, to grills himself so I loved that. I loved all of it. It's yeah, and I, and it's, a, it's also a great point of another way they're they're adding they're lacing the humor because Clint right. is so right. straight. Yeah, no, it's a funny sequence. It's a really funny scene. Um, there's a lot of funny interactions in it. But with something you just said, Kara, I think is really great because I think I think that's really the theme of this series, <coughs> or it seems from these first two episodes is going to be the theme of the series is. What's a hero? What makes a hero? Who's a hero? Yeah. And and that Clint's power was really inspiring other non-heroes to take up the fight side by side to fight for our world, right? Side by side with Iron Man, Captain America, and and, and the rest of them. I, I feel like that's going to be an overall theme of the whole series. Oh yeah, they're and they're giving you nuggets. It's like even right. even when they're in the when the family they're having you know dinner at the Chinese restaurant and. The waiter comes in and, and says, right. "Dinner is on us because mm-hmm. what? Yes, yes, that's a very yeah, that's that was a good great point. scene. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was a great scene. Well, speaking of dinners, uh, back to Kate. Um, well, uh, Hawkeye is off LARPing. Uh, Kate has dinner with her mom and her new and and her new fiance uh, to kind of uh, see if he knows more than he's telling about uh, the auction and Armand's murder. Uh, and this eventually leads uh, Kate and Jack to uh, a friendly round of fencing. And while Kate uh, obviously excels, uh, she's thrown off a little bit by Jack's excellent swordsmanship, uh, as fans of the comics will not be surprised, uh, as he is clearly skilled enough and, and is kind of letting her uh, win without uh, really putting a lot of effort into it. So, uh uh, Kira, what were your thoughts on 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 this scene? And um, you know, do you think Jack knows what Kate's up to? I think I I definitely think Jack knows what Kate's up up to, especially because of that scene where she comes into the security office 
with her moms. And he goes off on that whole, like, very condescending, you know, uh, uh, real, uh, condescending speech about why she's hostile and testing the dynamic and why he's threatened, you know, he's threatened by her, you know, and and how he bought like the book about, you know, how to be a stepdad, you know, he, he's definitely onto her. He definitely knows that she's, um, she's, she's one that he needs to watch out for. Uh, And, but what I loved about this scene in regards to Kate is, you know, you can see her fury you know, and you can see that the way she's handling it is very, she's like almost having a temper tantrum. It's an, you know, in, in challenging him to this fencing, you know, right. and the way he's handling her is exactly the way, you know, he's basically controlling the perception of how her mom is, is seeing the whole dynamic is yes. essentially what he's doing. And he's Jack is smart. Like he's definitely not mm-hmm. one to toy with. So, um, as somebody who who has not read the comics, like I, you, they, that through line right there, it's like, ooh, you know, you definitely need to watch out for him. You you didn't need to read the comics to know that Jack's the bad guy. No, yeah, I know, I know, yeah, I know, I know, I yeah. know, yeah, totally. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think it is, I, I don't think that Jack knows that she, that Kate was Ronan or dressed as Ronan for that night. Uh, but I definitely think he is, suspicious of her motivations and i also agree with you i don't know if you want to call it manipulation but she he's he's certainly yeah that's a good word he's manipulating her mom and manipulating although again we have no clues in these first two episodes to tell us that there's anything suspicious going on with kate's mom but i don't trust vera formiga at all you know, I, 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 I love her as an actress, but I don't trust that character at all. I get, the, and and maybe they're just kind of establishing that sort of vibe with her, and maybe they'll just you know throw a monkey wrench in it and then you know turn it around. But yeah, what they're what, how they're establishing it um, makes us feel that maybe she's in on it, or yes. you know, there's, there's something else that's shady. But you I know, agree. Marvel. Like they they, right. they love to manipulate us as an audience. So they also love their evil parents. They love true. their evil parents. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Uh, Mark, what were your thoughts on the sequence and the fencing and all all the all the good stuff? Um, Jack just seemed so calm about it. Like the whole time where you know Kate is like, you know, attack me. Like why are you throwing the matches? Like do it. Like you know attack me like you you know. Like, you actually mean it. And then he's just like, oh, good job, Kate. Like, very excellent. You know, you, you really are a really good fighter. Like, he seemed very parental about it. Just like how, you know, parents would sometimes let their kids, like, win a fight. And then, you know, Kate is, you know, being like, you know, a brat at that moment where it's like, no, you, you know, a-hole, like, attack me. Like, you know, I know you right. know how to fight. So, go at me with all your might but you know i just felt like being that parental um influence and having her win just like any other parent would with a kid is like you said very it's a very manipulative way for him to get in even deeper with kate's mom who i think is um only there as like a 
not really there, but I think they're trying to set her up as a bad guy, but I honestly just think that's kind of like a red herring. Yeah, just, yeah, that's I, I, possible. Definitely yeah, possible. I don't think that she is a bad guy per se. It's a bait and switch. I would yeah. Say yeah, and also I think, like like I'm saying, like I think there's a certain air that comes with Vera Farmiga that you assume she will be the villain. So I, it absolutely, that could have been purposeful in the casting. So I agree with you. Well, in the sense of time, we are going to just jump, uh, uh, we'll sort of just combine these last three points together and then we can kind of talk about the end of the episode and what we uh, hope for, look forward to uh, possibly in the third episode. Um, so... Clint's plan, uh, or so after a pep talk over the phone with his wife, uh, Clint decides to run a, uh, what I thought was very much a Black Widow style, um, uh, Black Widow style, uh, they called it the catch and release, uh, and it allows himself to get caught by the tracksuit mafia so he can find out who they work, who they are working for. Uh, plan, uh, Clint's plan goes terribly wrong when Kate, uh, who tracked him thinking he was in danger, literally falls into the trap and both heroes find themselves caught. Finally, the le- uh, finally, the leader of the tracksuit, Mafia, is revealed at the end of the episode and it is Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo, uh, who we know from the comics, we also know is going to have her own MCU Disney Plus series in the future. So, um, Kira, what did you think of uh, Clint's catch and release of his plan and how uh, Kate kind of uh, screwed it up? Well, I love, you know, the the tracksuit mafia. I, I don't remember who actually says it in in the earlier episodes. They're like he's they they're all, they were always saying like, oh, we're we're always watching, you know, we're always following you. Um, and then, you know, Clint just shows up to the, I think he's in the front of Kate's burnt out apartment and he's obviously waiting to be caught. That, the whole, the whole tracksuit mafia, every time they come onto the screen, they are so funny. And it's like, they've got this little amazing comic relief that they bring to, you know, to the series where, you know, Clint again is just very, you know, straight faced and, and, and not humorous. And I love, you know, the funny exchange that you know they he, he has with them about how he wants to talk to their manager <laughs> and then yeah and then i love when kate falls through the door or falls through the yes. door and she's established she's wearing her her purple suit right. i love all of that yeah yeah and i agree with you the tracksuit mafia is like a hundred percent comedy like they wow. are there for comedic relief and uh um, yeah they're not very threatening uh of course Echo is very threatening. Uh, and uh, what did you think of that reveal at the end? I mean, we knew she was coming. She's already been given her own series. <laughs> so what did you think yeah. of that, Sarah? You know what? As somebody who doesn't, who's never read, you know, who hasn't read the comics, I have no idea. I didn't know who she was. And I don't want to, I'm not the type of person that I don't, right. I don't, I don't want to spoil it. I want to be surprised and I want to see everything with, you know, virgin eyes. And so I liked how I love, I love strong female characters, regardless of what, you know, if they're on the sides mm-hmm. of good and evil and they really, you know, they really established that she was the boss and that, you know, little bit of a scene that they, that they had. And she, of course she's, she's gorgeous. So I can't really, I can't wait to see what the MCU has in store, you know, later, later down the road. 
Well, I know what they have in store. A new series on Disney Plus. Coming <laughs> uh, that's what they have in store for Echo. Um, Mark, what were your thoughts of uh, how Clint's plan? I mean, his plan was working perfectly until Kate showed up. Uh, and then, of course, the reveal of Echo. Yeah, because she learned because he learned from the best. He partnered with her and was stuck in that air vent and the subway for, I don't know, 14 days, they said, in the Black Widow movie. So if anyone can do that particular um, catch and release tactic, it's Clint Barton. But Kate just had to go and mess that all up. (laughs) And I mean, I get it from her standpoint because she doesn't know Widow like we know her as an audience. And when we saw him captured by the tracksuit mafia, we recognized that visual parallel between, you know, her scene in the Avengers and his scene in Hawkeye. But through Kate's eyes, like, oh, man, he got captured. I got to go and save him. And just ends up mucking up the whole thing, dropping through um, ceiling glass, and then just getting caught herself. And, I mean, to your point, Kira, like, yeah, the tracksuit mafia is there for comic relief, like, even in the comics. Because when every sentence that they speak has the word bro in it, then you know it's set for comic relief. Because just... Even reading it like, bro, this, bro, that, bro, this, bro, that. It's funny. It's funny. And seeing Clint, you know, kind of show off his witty side in interacting with these guys. It's it's funny because they're idiots. That's all there are is they're idiots. And that's why, you know, we as fans love them. And how'd you feel about seeing Echo as the big reveal at the end of these first two episodes? That came as a surprise because um, as far as I know, Echo was never really the leader of, I mean, I could be, yeah, she was never really the leader of the tracksuit mafia, right? So having her revealed as the leader of this group of idiots is a shock and it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, her character, you know, as the leader of this group, um, her future in the series, because, you know, how it goes off to her own show, we don't know, but I'm, you know, ready to find out. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I t- tend to think that she's not like, quote unquote, the leader of the tracksuit mafia, but rather like, another entity who kind of came in and co-opted the tracksuit mafia as her minions. So So you think that that she's like the muscle. So she's uh, like the Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the stormtroopers. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, but, but she doesn't put, she wasn't even part of the empire. Right. Like she's just another, yeah. she was so badass that she came in and these idiots were like, Oh, I guess we got to listen to her. And I don't think she cares about any of them. I think she's just using them yeah. for whatever her, you know, she wants to use. The other thing I want to bring up, which I, I thought was super interesting with the reveal of echo. Um, this is a hearing impaired character. Obviously yep. we know that Clint is going through that as well. And so I can't imagine there's not going to be a moment 
sometime down the line in these six episodes where maybe she makes Clint question his own idea of what is right and wrong and who's right and wrong. And, you know, maybe she has a very good reason for doing the things she's doing. And maybe he can relate to that somehow because they're going through uh, similar issues. Uh, Kira, what do you think about that? And when, and in general, what are you hoping uh, to see in the next, uh, let's just say the next episode? Well, yeah, what we know in regards to Marvel's and at Marvel and their, um, their villains is they have sub villains. And so obviously we have this thing that's going on with Jack and we, and you know, obviously Armand is now murdered and there's something going on there. They haven't gone as deep. Um, and so I'm very interested in to see how Echo actually will end up playing as, is she going to be the actual villain? Is she going to be a, a sub villain? You know, um, I definitely feel that uh, Echo and, and Clint will have a, you know, come head to head. And they usually do like to pin female against female. So I, I, I predict that Kate will have her moment with her as well. How that, you know, how that will transpire was as yet to be seen. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. Um, yeah, looking forward to the next episode. Uh, you know, on Disney Plus Day, they released that sort of extended trailer scene from Hawkeye, and it showed them stealing the car and, you know, him teaching to use the trick arrows, shooting out the back of the car. And then they actually, I think, shoot an arrow and do kind of a swing onto the top of a moving train. I actually thought we were going to see that at the end of the second episode. And so I'm assuming that that part of the series will get right to in the third episode, kind of after this moment, maybe they escape from uh, the, the mafia and Echo or something like that. And, and then the other thing I'm looking for in this uh, series, which may or may not happen, we don't know, but the idea that Florence Pugh will show up as Yelena and sort of um, fulfill that end credit scene from Black Widow. Oh, that's um, that's totally going down. I mean, that's I hope so. Really yeah. I it'd, it'd be a bit of a bait and switch if it doesn't, because basically the ending of that movie was watch Hawkeye on Disney Plus. So. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I do want to ju just one thing, because I know we're almost out of time. Is yeah, I, I want just... Mark to talk about what he'd like. To oh, yeah. Go, 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 go for it, Mark. Um, I mean, you guys basically said it because after next week, we're already halfway done with the entire series because there's only six episodes Good here. Point. So there is a lot of loose ends that needs to get, you know, some, the ball needs to get rolling on a lot of storylines because you have the Yelena, you know, potential story arc. You have the Echo and the Tracksuit Mafia. You have Armand and um, Jack. You have Kate's mother. You have the relationship between, you know, um, Kate and Clint. And you have Clint coming to terms with the demons that he started while he was Ronin and coming to, you know, accept that history of, um, you know, during those dark five years, you know, during the blip. And that's a lot of stuff to cover within four episodes it i mean i have all the faith in the world that marvel is going to do it but you know think about everything that you guys said i'm like there's only four episodes left and they just introduced echo they just they haven't even introduced yelena yet so when and where you know they're gonna do it or and do it effectively is my 
uh, biggest question, but you know, I'm the way that the first two episodes went, I cannot wait to see where they go from here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Kira, final thoughts. Did you have something else you wanted to add? You know, I just wanted to say, and I'm sorry for, ha for having to interrupt you at Mark earlier, but no, no, no. Uh, I love how, you know, it, it, they're really establishing where Kate, what Kate wants from this relationship from Clint. She mm -hmm. wants him to teach. There's so many things that, you know, she even says it on the street. She's like, I, I, I need you to teach me more. And I love how they're establishing that because for somebody who hasn't read the comics, but for others who, who do know where, what her, what the end result ends up with her character down the line. I love how they've, they're really making, um, they're, they're really paving the way for all of that. And I, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, again, I'm a big Haley fan. So this, this whole thing is really exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah. Great first two episodes. Great first episode of this show. Congratulations, mm -hmm. guys. Um, Kira, let everyone know where they can check out your work. Oh, sure. I am an entertainment journalist for Hollywood First Look, which is a television show. You can always check out our YouTube channel as well. And also, I'm a uh, member of the Hollywood Critics Association, a proud one at that. Uh, of course, of course, as we all are. Mark, let everyone know where they can find your work. You can uh, find my work at nerdreactor.com. I am the movie editor of uh, the site. And you can also catch me at my socials right there you go. there you go on twitter at instagram great follow. and i'm j what what was that last part follow follow, follow. there you subscribe. go <laughs> and i'm jamie philbrick uh you can find me on twitter instagram at philbrock facebook at my name uh that is all the time we have but thank you so much for watching please make sure you hit that subscribe button like this video and tune in to the hca's hawkeye after show every Wednesday at 1 a.m. Pacific time and 4 a.m. Eastern time. Until next week, have a great one. Thank you for watching.